Sunday. Woohoo! None of y'all care, I guess, huh? Who's cheering for the Patriots? Where's the Patriots fans? I know one guy in particular in the back row. Okay, so I didn't have a lot of like, yay, for Patriots first hour either. What about, where, where are the Philly folks in the house? We got, all right. So that's actually consistent with the data that was collected like nationwide. Here it is. By state, who's cheering for New England? So there's like a small segment up in the uh, New England area. And I don't know where, like North Dakota didn't get the memo. They're like, guys, we're all cheering against New England, all right, but they didn't get the memo, so I guess everybody else is cheering for Philly. I don't know how accurate that is, but there's at least a couple people in Ohio that are cheering for the Patriots, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if Brady can do it again. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday is a fun day. It's not my favorite day of the year, though. My favorite day of the year I got to celebrate just uh, a week ago, and this is my day. It's not my birthday, okay? I'm not talking about my birthday. Um, this is, though, the day that ever since I became a preschool parent, it's the day that I look forward to, and that is Donuts with Dad. Any of you preschool parents out there, you know what I'm talking about, or parents of preschoolers? I don't know if this is a new thing, but I look forward to it every year now uh, that I'm a preschool parent. And uh, a couple weeks ago, um, Aiden shows up with this invitation to Donuts with Dad, and it's this cool, like, donut on an invitation that invites me. And they actually, like, kind of made it into, like, a donut shape and put actual sprinkles on it. Now, I noticed a lot of his sprinkles were missing. I'm like, where, where did all your sprinkles go, you know? Um, what happened to my thing? Um, but so I'm so excited. He's so excited about it. And he's like, Dad, I can't wait. I got all these things planned for you on Donuts with Dad. And then we learned that we were supposed to be traveling that weekend just uh, to, to Lexington, just a small thing. It was Jess's sister's wedding reception. And so I'm like, uh-oh, you know. So we're like, okay, we have a – so on, I'm like, babe, I know you need to go down and help with this, but I can't – Donuts with Dad is my day. I can't miss that day. And so Aiden and I hung back. We got to enjoy it. And I show up there, and it's just a lot of fun. They got all these different things uh, planned from singing songs to all these different surprises. So he sings this song all about, you know, uh, to the tune of Bingo, which is like D-A-D-D-Y. And he's like singing me all these songs about, and, you know, they all got motions to them and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm maintaining a pretty tough exterior for most of it. And then he brings me this thing that he made. And uh, he's like, I got another surprise for you, Dad. And, and he's got a little handprint here with a big D for Dad. This has gone up on my wall since. Um, there's his little, like, kind of handprint. And I was like, yep, it's sort of like this because you can't sit still. Um, but that's awesome. I love it. And then on it it says, Daddy, no matter how big I get, I will always reach for you. Love, Aiden. And he wrote his name on there. And I'm like, yeah, like, so I was like so touched by that. I'm like, oh, man, you know, and uh, I just love the thought. And as I think about that, that, you know, I hope that's the reality, right, that no matter how big he gets, I'm still daddy, right, even though, you know, he's just a preschooler now. But, man, as, as he grows older, uh, that's my hope is that he continues to reach for me. And I want to give you a visual this morning as we get started, and that's this. God's desire is just that. You see, God first reached for us so that we could, in turn, continue to reach for him. God's desire is for you and I to know him. Not just to know about him, but to actually know him. And what I love about Jesus and what I love about what Jesus demonstrated to us in taking on flesh and moving into our neighborhood, moving into our world, moving into our lives, is this, that God is a personal God. Now, I don't want to rush past that. I want that to soak in for just a second as we think about each and every person in this room that was uniquely designed by God. 
all of our differences, all of our unique qualities, that each one of us was made in the image of God so that we might have a relationship with God. And God desires that for each individual in the room, that we might know him, that we might, like a loving father, reach out to him. So let that reality sink in. And it's through that lens that I want to continue this morning as we read in the book of James. And so um, if you've been tracking along with us, you know that we are now up to verse 19. We are doing a study through the book of James from the beginning of the year all the way up through May. And so we're driving down deep uh, into the word here. And there's just, uh, just a wealth of things to be gained as we study together. And so um, if you would turn with me again, James 1, and we're going to be uh, in verse 19. Let's read that together. It says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word but not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law and the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so the question I want to pose this morning is this. If that is true, and I love this imagery of the implanted word of God. It says to receive with meekness, with humility, right? Because that's what it takes if we're really going to receive this into our hearts. And it's going to take a lot of that humility and meekness day in and day out as we step up to the plate, as we read these words, as we hear these words. So to receive with meekness the implanted word of God. And so what I want to do today is spend some time saying, all right, Assuming I want to receive with meekness the implanted word of God, how can I do that? How can I capture it? How can I deeply embed this into my life? How can I ingrain this into my life in such a way that is then naturally uh, the way that I live, that it becomes such a part of me, that it's a natural extension of me? And so that's the question we're asking today. And Jesus, um, he talks a lot about this, and he talks a lot about the Word of God. And there's one um, story that I really love in the Scripture where Jesus is uh, feeding 5,000 people, and we see these incredible miracles of Jesus. And people are coming from all around seeing Jesus do these incredible things, and the Word is spreading, his popularity is spreading. And here he is in one situation breaking these five loaves, right, and these two fish and feeding 5,000 um, just men and probably 20,000 in the crowd. And so people are like, this is incredible. And so they're flocking to Jesus. Yet he knows that many in the crowd, the intent of the heart is off. You see, all they want is to see a magician do more tricks, right? And so they come to him and they're like, do another one. Like, what, when are you going to do that bread thing again, right? Or when, what's the next miracle going to be? Or how are you going to show? And so like somebody that's buying a ticket to a David Copperfield show, they're like checking it out and they're intrigued by it. But he knows that the intent of the heart is not actually to receive what Jesus has for them. And so they're, he, he, then it's, at some point as they're talking about the bread and he knows their heart and he says, listen, you guys are all here for the bread. Many of you are here just so that you can see more bread come from heaven. You're here so that I can give you more physical things or meet more physical needs. And here's what I want to tell you. He says, I am the bread of life. 
I'm the one that you're hungry for. I'm the one that your soul seeks. I'm the one that your spirit needs. Yet you come here and you continue to ask for more and more of these things. And so he says, I am the bread of life. And then he says a really difficult thing. He says this. He says, if you want to have any part in me, you will eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, what in the world, right? And so to this audience, they're like, what does this even mean? He's saying, listen, I'm the one. If, if you want to experience life as you were meant to have it, you need to share in me. And so when he says these things, the Bible tells us that many of the crowd thinned out that day. And you see this a lot with Jesus, right? He wouldn't have been a popular teacher of the day. He taught as one who had authority, but often the crowds got smaller when he would say things like this. Why? Because he was, again, judging the intent of the heart. And so he says, I am the bread of the life. Come to me and you will never go hungry. And so um, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. In another place, he says this, man does not live on physical bread, on bread alone. He speaks this to the enemy as he's being tempted, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so the way we've referred to this book around here is we call this the bread. And we've used these different discipleship tools over time. And what I would like to do is, is build for you one of those discipleship elements. We have nine discipleship elements that we use that are built on key themes in Scripture. Um, as Jesus discipled his disciples, that if we want to continue to live as disciples, that we will, um, these things will, will be a part of our life as well. And so this first one, uh, or this, this one today that we want to discuss is the bread. And what do you do with food? What do you do with food? It's, a, it's not a trick question, I promise. You eat it, right? Okay, cool. So we have an acronym today that goes along with this bread that I want um, you to take hold of. And so if we want to see the implanted word of God that we want to receive with meekness, the implanted word of God, we're going to E-A-T it. We're going to eat it. And so uh, the first word uh, is, is E, an E word, it is examine. And so uh, the first thing we do is we study the scripture. The first thing we we teach you to do as you study the scripture is to examine it. How many of you guys would confess, all right? I know it might take a diff- be difficult to confess this, but who in here has selective hearing? Somebody, when I said that before, like Joe could say, what'd you say? You know, like, what? It's like, that's good. I got you. I got you. I see what you're doing there. All right, I'll, I'll admit that I have selective hearing from time to time. Sometimes it's like Jess is like, hey, would you take out the trash? And I hear, would you sit there and uh, continue to watch TV? Like, I don't know, like, how that happens, but it just reconfigures itself in my mind, and that's what I wanted to hear, so that's what I heard. And, uh, and many of us, um, we have this ability to just kind of shut things out that we don't want to hear, um, but then when, you know, it's a topic we want to talk about or something that we want to hear, we're like, we're all ears. Like, tell me more about that. And uh, I think some of us are guilty of doing the very, this very thing with the Word of God, right? Doing this very thing when it comes to the teachings of Jesus. And this is a very popular thing today is just to say, hey, just tell me what I want to hear. And I'm going to surround me myself with people that just tell me what I want to hear. They make me feel better about myself, and they're just going to be on my side, and they're just going to tell me exactly what I want to hear because that makes me feel better. But Paul, he tells Timothy this. He says, listen, watch out because in your, in your churches, here's what you're going to see. In 1 Timothy 4, 4, it says, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Instead, they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And this is why examination is important as we study the Bible. 
I know there's a lot of popular teachers out there. It's not to diminish any uh, teacher's work or what they do. But what I'll say is we need to continue to do, as 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we've got to be constantly in this process of via the filter of the word of God to say, all right, test the spirits. And if any one teacher defies what the word of God actually by its authority teaches, then we should question that spirit. We should call that spirit into question. And the truth is, sometimes it's not what we want to hear. Sometimes when I pick up this book, it's not what I want to hear. That's why the Bible says, receive with meekness the implanted word of God. It takes humility to actually implant this book into your life. And we have to receive it with meekness. We have to be able to examine it. And, uh, and that's why I'll say context matters. When you study this book, the context of this book, as we read it, actually matters. The details um, in this book actually do matter. And so often we like to take just isolated things here or there and be like, I like the way that sounds, right? I'm just going to like apply that to my life and I like the way that sounds. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can do whatever I want. You know, God's going to give me strength toward it, right? I can make stuff say what it doesn't actually say, but it's important that we examine what was the original intent of the original author, for example. Does this make sense? So context matters. I'll give you, we're going to do a little exercise here um, to practice. So uh, how many of you would say that you're, you've got like some good observation skills? You're like, I'm, I'm pretty good at observing things. Like I notice things, all right? Not a lot of hands, not a lot of confidence in the room. So we're about to find out. Uh, so we're going to do a little detective exercise here. So put on your detective hat, and I'm going to show you a picture. I'm going to give you 15 seconds to look at that picture and just observe everything you can about the picture, all right? Just take it all in, make observations, and then I'm going to ask you some questions about the picture, all right? So 15 seconds starts now. All right, hope you're paying attention. All right, ready? Here's the first question. What color was the first house on the right? <laughs> That's a trick question. Good. I, I noticed by who's laughing, I actually picked up on that, all right? It's a black and white photo, so we, yeah, it was grayscale. It was black and white. Um, great. All right, so what, what is at least one form of transportation that we can confirm existed when this photo was taken? Horse and buggy, right? How many of you took time to count them? There was four of them, right? So it, if you look at that picture, there's three that are really observable, and then there's one kind of down uh, toward the end of the street there. So there's at least four that we can confirm. It's a little blurry, so there may be additional, but we know for sure that we can confirm uh, at least four of them. All right, so here's the next question. What is at least one form of communication we can confirm was used at the time of this picture? Telephone, right? We saw the telephone lines. Now, I just kind of thought to myself, I was like, maybe those were telegraph lines. Like we, so can we be, sh so honestly, I don't, I got to go back to the source of the, I think it is telephone though, and we did some research on when the, the telephone um, was widely used and all of that. All right, here's, here's the next question that I have for you. Um, what city is this pic a picture of? All right, did you know that from before? Okay, so you cheated. Um, you knew. All right. Yeah, uh, so that is Mason, Ohio. How many of you guys knew? Did anyone else see that that was Mason, Ohio? Okay, look now more closely. Now I got one more question for you. Um, 
because it'll help you anchor if you look at the house at the end of the street. Does anybody know what is currently in that house at the end of the street? What, what is it? Banana leaf, that's right. So that's, you can kind of see where that shot was taken down Main Street there uh, through uh, Mason, Ohio there. So, um, so that, that exercise goes to show that if we want to fully understand something, context is important, right? We can't study God's word in isolation, just take verses here and there. It's important that we take the details which support the overall picture. And so we encourage you guys as you study God's word to ask questions like who, right? Like, who was this originally written to? Who was writing it? What were they experiencing at the time, right? When was this letter written? What was going on in history at the time when this uh, letter was written? Where did this take place? Why was this letter written? What was the intent of the author here uh, as they wrote it? And so these are important questions if we want to view the Scripture through this lens. And it's amazing the things that we discover when we read the Bible through a detective lens. Let me give you another example of the importance of context. I'll give you the context up front, but my friend didn't have it. So um, I, uh, not too long ago, we, we've been um, training the Mason softball girls back here at CrossFit Mason. And so I've been working with the coaches on that. One of my friends is one of the coaches. And, uh, and so I was sending him all this information out about the, the, the training that they could send to their coaches and their team. And uh, so I, I sent an email to him. Um, now, the context is that Jess and I, a while back, we, um, we merged our Apple ID accounts. So, like, on our phones, we had somehow, I have no idea how this happened, but all of our contacts sort of merged together. And so, like, all the stuff, like, in her phone is also in my phone. We did it for, like, the music and things like that. Anyway, so with that context in mind, I send my friend this email. Or, you know, it's a professional email to the team and things like that and about, hey, we're excited. And uh, he, he replies back to me and says, um, hey, Josh, that all sounds great. And by the way, I'm going to ignore the fact that your, your name is listed as Josh Heart Emoji. And I'm like, what? Like, what, what did you say? You know? And uh, so I look on there, and sure enough, because I had forwarded an email, and like it somehow via like sending it through my phone, it's including my contact as Josh Heart Emoji. And then I think, how many people have gotten emails from me from Josh Heart Emoji? And without that context, what are you thinking? You're thinking, well, Josh is kind of weird, you know, first of all, which some of you already know that. But, you know, Josh really just loves himself. Like, I, I just noticed, like, he's like, he hypes himself up with that little heart emoji. Um, but context is important, right? Otherwise, we make assumptions. And it's important to not make assumptions when we study the Word of God. And so one of the things I would encourage you to do is um, have a, a study Bible is a really great tool to have. It gives a lot of context. It gives a lot of historical background. There's lots of great tools online that if I had more time, um, I could share about specific ones. But lots of tools available to help us to study the Bible as a detective. And one of the things that helps me as I pray is this prayer that, that really is from Jesus. And he says, if we want to examine, if we want to be good examiners, uh, it's important that we pray, Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, right? That I might perceive what God is communicating. Give me ears to hear, eyes to see. And even as you approach your study time, maybe that's a prayer uh, that you lead in with. Uh, the second step here in the process is this. So E is examine, A is apply. And we see here that, that James says, listen, be doers of the word, not hearers only, because you're only deceiving yourself. You see, hearing is a good, great first step, right, to be able to examine and understand and perceive. But hearing's not everything. 
There are a great number of people who know a lot about the Bible, but it has little bearing on their life. And so again, be doers of the word, not hearers only. He says, and then he compares it to this. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at, he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. And if that's not crazy enough, right? And uh, you're like, does that actually happen? Well, here's a funny story for you. So I... Uh, was one day um, Jess was gone and I had been growing out like this long beard. It's been looking pretty sweet. I was like trying to, you know, get my man points up, and so it was coming in real thick. And uh, so I'm like, this is this is so. But then I, I just get so itchy that it's like it's got to go. And so I started shaving, and I'm like, this is gonna be funny. I'm gonna shave everything but the mustache. Like it's gonna be because I never have a mustache. Like this is gonna be. And I was like, Jess is gonna love this. And so I shave everything off and. Uh, and here's what it ended up looking like, you know, so you can see how that's pretty sh- looking good, right? I'm saying, so you're, you're thinking, whoa, like, bro, like, lo- so lose it. Don't, don't do that. And so she shows up to the house. I walk downstairs and just greet her at the door, right? And I don't know what my expectation was. Like, it was going to be like, hey, you know, how you doing? You know, like, I see you there. That's a, it's a nice looking must. It wasn't that, all right? It was. It was almost like a stunned, like just we're all standing here for a second. She's like, yep, I see, I see what you did, you know. And uh, I knew that, like, she's like, nope, not having it. Like, that's got to go, please. And the funny thing is my, uh, my one-year-old son, who's like such a daddy's boy, he's always ready just to jump out of mama's hands right to daddy. He grabs for mama. Like, he's like, <laughs> I don't know that man. You know, he's like, I'm not going to him. Like, and I'm like, come here, buddy. And he's like, he's like scared of me. He will literally not come to me, you know. And uh, so, anyway, um, she wasn't having it. I ended up shaving it. But not before that day when I, when I had completely forgotten about it because we had just been hanging out. And then I had to go to work. I had to go get some things done. So I didn't, like, remember it was there. So I'm walking out of the door ready to go. She's like, wait, Josh, hold on a second. Wait a second, you know. She loved me enough to stop me and say, you're not going out like that, right? Okay, first of all, because, you know, one, you look ridiculous. Two, I'm married to you, so don't walk out the door. You need to go, like, shave that thing off. And so, but I was, and I intended to, I just completely forgot. And I, I thought that would have been pretty funny if I was just, you know, because nobody's ever seen me with a mustache and be like, what, what's that all about? And James is telling us here in the scripture, he says, that when our hearing is not followed up by doing, it's as ridiculous as looking at yourself in the mirror and forgetting what you look like. And so when we just hear the words, we walk away and nothing changed, that's what it's like. And the truth is, the Bible's a lot like looking in the mirror. When you really study the word of God in the right way, it's a lot like looking in the, in the mirror. In Hebrews 4, 12-13, it says, For the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow. It discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to, to whom we must give account. And that's not really like a warm, fuzzy kind of a scripture, is it? I mean, when you talk about this exposure, that as we stand before the word of God, and we check ourselves, we check our lives, sometimes it leaves us feeling exposed in such a way we're like, man, that my life is not consistent in this area. My life is off in this area. It checks our heart, right? It says that it, it, it discerns the intentions of the heart. And the truth is, even though it is a lot like looking in the mirror, it's an important process. 
It's an important, and we should be encouraged by the word of God. We should also be challenged and convicted by the word of God as God uses it to, to shape us, to mold us, to make us. But one thing we can do is we can continue to choose to look into the mirror and walk away unchanged. That's our choice. We can look into it, allowing it to expose our intentions to check us. But we can also make a choice to say, I'm not going to change anyway. Jesus teaches a parable and he says this. He says, the wise man is the one, again, we see the same theme, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Hears them and puts them into practice. He is like the man who built his house on the rock. Though the rain came, the winds beat against that house, it did not fall. And I don't think anybody doesn't say that's what, that I want my life to be built on a solid foundation, right? It's not just in knowing, though. It's knowing and in doing. I went to the funeral of a great man um, yesterday, a man who lived well. It was my uncle uh, Dick Lambers. And uh, it was um, just a great uh, celebration of his life and the life that has become for him. And uh, just getting to, to just hear these stories that were shared about him. And um, one of the things that was really notable to me was they shared about the Beatitudes and how specifically he had a life that really lived those things out that he had this heart for the poor and that he took advantage of opportunities to care for and minister to the poor. And just as they shared all of these things about him, you know, I thought to myself, you know, it'd be a lot much it would be much less notable if, if they said something like, you know, he really knew it. He knew the beatitudes. He could recite the beatitudes. He could he could say the beatitudes in his sleep, you know. He 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 did a lot of different Bible studies on the beatitudes. You know, he was always there for that beatitude study and you know, he heard a lot of messages in his lifetime about the beatitudes. You know, boy did he know the beatitudes. He didn't do it, but boy he knew it. I mean, that's not a legacy, right? But the fact that he actually put these things into practice, that is what was significant about his life that he lived these things out and the truth is we hear a lot of things about God right we know a lot of things about God and we read these scriptures that that call us to a greater level of sacrifice that call us to a greater level of generosity that call us to care for the poor to meet the needs of the less fortunate to put others above ourselves right to practice the golden rule to be humble we read all of these things in the scripture, right, about following God and how do we follow God. And we know these things. And some of us, we memorize these scriptures. We study things about them. We meet in smaller groups and do Bible studies. But the big question is, and the big question that I think will be important as we think about a life well lived is, well, you knew it, but did you do it? You knew it, but did you actually do it? Did you actually see these things at work in your life? And so one of the things that we've often said is we ask a couple different questions as we study, as we interact with God, is what's God saying to you? What is God speaking to you via the word? And it's important that we run everything God's saying to us via this filter, right? What is God saying to you? And just as important as that is, what are you doing about it? All right, so you've looked in the mirror. Are you going to walk away unchanged? Are you actually going to put what God is calling you to into practice? And James challenges us. He says, listen, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. 
he will be blessed in his doing. And so if we really want to see the blessing of God at work in our lives, it doesn't matter how much we know. It matters that we take this and we say, I'm putting that into practice because I know God's way is the best way for me. That's where blessing is found. And so we examine it, we apply it, and the last word is talk. Talk. There's two ways we go about this. The first way that we, when we talk about and discuss the scripture is uh, with one another, with other believers. It's important that um, personal study is important, but all throughout the ancient context, we see them studying and reading these things in a public context to share, right, to share with one another. And so we try to continue to create avenues for discipleship that put you in a room with other people that you're like, we're studying this together. Here's what God's teaching me. What's God teaching you? What's God showing you through the word? And it helps us to come through this process of discovery. And at times it helps us say, wait, wait, that's not what that's saying right there. Like, let me help you out brother to brother on that because here's what it actually means. And so via the collective uh, spirit of God through the community, um, we get to uh, more fully see what God is speaking uh, into us. And so it's important that you find ways to connect with other believers and talk with them about the things that God is teaching you to study the word of God together. And so talk is talk with God and the sec- uh, talk with others. And then the second is to talk with God. Because here's the truth. Everything I shared today about doing, living out, that's impossible with God. The Bible says that if you want to bear much fruit, you do that in Christ Jesus, right? That as he empowers us, that he allows, as he allows us through the indwelling of his spirit uh, to do these things. And so the truth is I can try all day, try all day to, with some success, but... I need God's power to really help me to live with humility, right? I need God's power to cast out pride in my life. I need God's power uh, at work in me to help me to be the kind of husband that it talks about in Ephesians, that like Jesus, giving himself up for the church, continues to choose to give himself up for the church. I can't do that on my own power because on my own power, I'm filled with selfishness, right? And so I need God to actually empower me to do these things. So when I talk about about talking with God, what I, what I want to say to you is this, that the Bible is best paired with prayer. The Bible is best paired with prayer. God, give me the power to live this book out. God, I need your help in this area of my life. God, please empower me to be the man or the woman that you call me to be. We need that. And as we study the word of God, it's important that we continue to go to God in prayer, enlist his help, enlist his power. One more story, and then what I want to do today is give you guys the opportunity just to spend some time doing that very thing. I know for some of us, um, we don't always get those moments just to kind of step back and and just have some quiet moments, some personal moments with with God. Um, And and just like we prayed earlier, like he wants to meet with us. And uh, we're going to have some scriptures up on the screen here in just a little bit. And I just encourage you to do those very things. Just examine those scriptures. Think about how God might be calling you to apply those scriptures and just spend some time talking with him in these moments ahead. So just last week before Project 215, which is our uh, Sunday evening gathering that we have with, uh, with young adults, um, I was just up in the park, just kind of running laps around the park. It was just a beautiful day that day. The sun was out. And, um, you know, there's these moments where you just kind of um, unexpectedly get caught in the middle of just like a worshipful moment. And... Uh, 
it was cool. I was just, you know, enjoying uh, getting to just spend some time out there and jog some laps. And this, what I do a lot of times is I just spend time praying when I'm running. Uh, it kind of takes my mind off of like the huffing and puffing and all that. I'm like, cool, I get, just get to kind of go um, kind of from here and just spend some time meeting with God in those moments. And so I got the worship music in my ears, you know, I'm running. And at one point I turned this corner kind of on my last lap and the sun is starting to kind of come down and it's just like blanketing me. Like it's just, I just feel like I'm running like right, I can barely like even look because I'm just like running like right into the sun. It's warming me up and there's just worship music in my ears. And all of a sudden, like I just get kind of caught up in this moment of worship and this opportunity uh, just to be with God in that moment, just an ordinary moment. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, my eyes are closed now, which is not a good thing to do when you're running, by the way. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, I'm just like reaching out in worship, you know, because I just feel I'm like the sun is just, you know, strong. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to reach out my hands. Anybody that's in the park is probably like, what is going on over there? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on with that dude, but I didn't even care, you know. And I'm just starting to run. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm just, all of a sudden, my shoes are really, really wet. And I looked down, I'd run into like a puddle that's like four or five inches deep. And it like, kind of like brought me back to reality. And I'm like, you know, but I share all that to say, I think sometimes, you know, because God, you know, we talk about uh, a God who wants to continue to reach out to us. He first reached out to us. When we have all of these opportunities, not just on a Sunday morning, not just in a Bible study, not just in some big conference where the music is loud and everything's jumping but we have moments day in and day out to say God no matter how big I get I'm going to continue to reach out to you I'm going to continue to reach out to you day in and day out and what I want to challenge you with is through the word and through prayer and through these just everyday moments that you would take time to the God who has already reached out to you that you would just reach back to him and maybe you don't have to do that in a physical way to say, you know, maybe you do do that in a physical way. You're not afraid to just say, you know, God, I just want to, just as a symbol of, God, what I'm doing here, I'm reaching out to you. And, but maybe it doesn't have to be that. Maybe just in your moment, in a moment at your desk at work, you're just thinking, about, man, God has provided for my family. And I just want to reach back to him and just say, thank you, God, for what you have done. And so what would it look like if we continued to just take these ordinary moments, right, that if we really thought about it are anything but ordinary? Because every moment in time, God is reaching out to us, and we have an opportunity to reach back and to have a relationship with him. And so keep reaching out. Keep reaching back to God. And we're going to take some time to do just that this morning. In whatever way you want to do that, we're going to have some scripture up on the screen if you just want to kind of bow quietly there and just spend some time in prayer or read the scripture um, and just allow that to pour over you to just meditate on it, think about it. These are just quiet moments for you uh, to spend time with God. One of the things we're going to do in these moments is to remind ourselves as we are taking of communion, we're going to remind ourselves of what Jesus did so that we could reach back to God. That we could have access to God by giving himself up as a ransom for you and I. By experiencing a brutal death on a cross. The death that we deserve so that we could take hold of the victory. So spend some moments just reflecting on that. Spend some moments as we take some communion thinking about that. I'm going to pray for us.
Father, we thank you for your goodness. I know I don't deserve it, but you reached out to me. I pray, God, that it would never become a common thing for me to reach back to you, God. I pray that your presence would be felt today. I pray for those in this room, God, that you would just speak truth to the hearts of your people. Maybe there's some area of life right now that somebody is guarding and you just want to reach down because you want to bring healing to that, God. I just pray, God, that that we wouldn't put our guard up. We would allow you to speak into our lives. We thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for for your sacrifice. We thank you that you're a God that knows us, that wants to be known by us. We want to love you more and more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you.